Good morning, friends. I am recording this message from our home on one of the last days in our isolation period after Rob contracted COVID-19 and tested positive. Um, we are nearly at the finish line, which is really good news. It's been a tough and challenging time for us as a family and um, with my mom and dad having also been sick in the past couple of weeks. Um, but I know that many of you throughout the community are facing different storms and challenges of your own um, with sickness or family members that are sick or just personal challenges in what you're facing. And so I wanted to share a message of how the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me over the last week. And I trust that it is an encouragement for us as a community and also something of an alignment, just coming into focus with what the Lord is doing in and through us individually and as the collective church community. <clears throat> so I'm going to be starting by reading from Psalm 46, which has been a real encouragement to me in the last week. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and for time's sake, I'm just going to pick out a bunch of verses and read them consecutively. I know our attention span when we're watching online is a whole lot shorter than when we're in person. Um, I would encourage you to read it in the ESV or in the Amplified for an even enhanced uh, meaning. So Psalm 46, it is a psalm that praises Jerusalem for being the dwelling place of the Lord. And of course, in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was the place uh, where the, 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 the temple was there and the presence of God was housed in the building of the temple. And now in the New Testament context, we are the temple of God and you and I get to house the presence of Jesus within ourselves. What an absolute honor. And um, so I read a Psalm 46 verse 1. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge and strength. You're a proven help in times of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear when the earthquakes and shakes moving the mountains and casting them into the sea. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God Most High into his holy dwelling place. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations, and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands, the commander, the mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Friends, no matter what happens, God is our refuge and our very present help in times of trouble. I know we've all been through some level of storm and challenge during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's probably not the last storm that we're going to face. But to know that God is our refuge into which we run. And let me tell you, 
when stresses and storms and challenges come, there are a lot of other places that I would prefer to run. I run into fixing things. I run into go, go, go mode. I run into anxiety mode or just shut down and cope mode. But the Lord says, no, I am your refuge. Run into me. And he is our very present help in trouble. He is more than enough. And he is right with us in the middle of whatever storm we're facing. Psalm 23 says, he sets a feasting table for us in the face of all our enemies in the middle of our war. And I remember the first night where we found out my dad was sick. We were so overwhelmed with just concern and, and worry and, and knowing that we might have to go through this process. And we made this beautiful meal, Rob made paella and we set candles and we set the table together as a family. And we said, we are gonna feast on the goodness of God despite the war that is surrounding us. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves to make it super practical because he is right with us, his goodness and his faithfulness. And we as a community are learning to abide. We've been speaking the last couple of weeks about abiding. Jesus teaches us so beautifully in John 15, what it means to abide, to be grafted into life union with Jesus. And I wanna read you uh, the quote from Graham Cook, uh, an outstanding definition for abiding. To stay, to be still and remain, consciously indwelling and being a partaker of Christ within. A simple turning and yielding our hearts throughout the day, remaining joyful, thankful, seeing all of life through the eyes of God's goodness, basking in his love, living every day under his smile, a much loved child learning to become a confident, more mature son. I'm actually going to post those words at the end of my preach this morning because I'm going to spend time today writing them in my journal. This is what it means to abide, to stop and be still and surrender and focus and participate on the life of the Holy Spirit within us. And we need to massage that in over and over and over again because our default is to run and do and go, 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 go. And then say, God, are you here? Are you here? Bless this. But learning to abide is what changes us. It makes us mature sons and daughters confident because we're so settled and rooted in who he is and in who we are. And, you know, abiding becomes our warfare. If you read Ephesians 6, and I've been meditating on that and feeling the push of the enemy the last couple of weeks. If you, if you look at Ephesians 6, which is the great passage on warfare, what does Paul tell us to do when the enemy comes against us? Stand, stand, not run and do this and run to the high place and do that and run to, no, stand, stand on the victory of Jesus, the finished work on the cross. Stand with the sword of the word and the spirit in your hand. Stand and don't move. Katia Adams says uh, the enemy likes to play spiritual chicken with us. He comes at us full force to intimidate us, to make us shrink back, to make us step aside from the promises, the destiny, the goodness of God. You know, it's the same venom that was in uh, in the Garden of Eden that comes at us in spiritual attack, that venom of, is God really good? Can we really 
trust him? Is he who he says he is? And we just stand in who he is and in his promises and our roots go deeper and we don't move. And so abiding, and Ephesians 6 says, be strong in the Lord, empowered through your union with him, drawing your strength from him. You see, his presence is made perfect in our weakness. His presence is his strength. His empowering is made perfect in our weakness. And so we draw from that place of abiding with the Lord. It becomes our warfare. I just want to quickly speak and I want to use a beautiful illustration that Mel Helser uses and I think is so helpful for us when we're dealing with stress and, and storms and challenge. We can tend to, in our internal world, when life comes at us, we just get more and more and more and more stretched until we feel like we are going to snap, we feel fragile, we feel frazzled, we, we, we emotionally uncertain. We literally, like this is a great picture of how I have been feeling this week and we just go, go, go in anxious mode, in worry, in stress. And the Holy Spirit, even in um, Psalm 46, teaches us what it means to be resilient because change and storms and challenge are coming at us all the time. In fact, I listened to a podcast this week that says we undergo in this modern world big change every 12 to 18 months, whether it's sickness or moving house or uh, changing jobs or, or, or global pandemic. We go through significant change and we need to learn resilience, which is the power to bounce back, to recover quickly from stress, the ability to spring back into shape and elasticity. And Psalm 46 that we read together says exactly that. Be still and know that I am God. Surrender your anxiety, relax, stop striving, and you will know me. And that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us to do. When we get into these stressful, challenging situations, it's like we just stay there and our mind can get frantic. And the Holy Spirit is saying, be still. And that word in Hebrew means relax, surrender, like slacken in my presence, relax. And this week, over and over, I would just say, oh, I just feel so stretched. And the Holy Spirit would say, just become aware of my presence. Just relax. Just surrender to me. Give thanks. Simply become aware of participating in the life of Christ. Isn't that so beautiful? And there's like no formula, no magic prayer that, you know, ends this. It's actually practicing our salvation. It's practicing the presence of God where we stop going from coping, hype, anxiety, stress mode to God, I'm aware of you. You are with me. You are good. And I trust you. Your promises over my life are true. And we get back to that place of peace. I think I've always been wanting to just get over the rocky places, right? Like out of the turbulent waves and crazy stormy waters. But that's not really how it works, friend. We never get to a place where those storms end, the challenges end. It's actually daily friendship abiding with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I want to I want to end this morning by focusing on one. Now, I've closed my Bible on the psalm. Here it is. Um, on focusing on one portion of the psalm. So we looked at the beginning and we looked at be still. And now I want to focus on that portion that says, God has a constantly flowing river, verse 4, whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. The river flows through the city, through his holy dwelling place. God is in the middle of his city, secure and never shaken. Of course, that speaks about the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, which we've been talking about. But especially in relation, excuse me, especially in relation to last week having been Pentecost Sunday, I want to reflect on, again, Acts 1 and 2 and how it relates to the Holy Spirit, the presence of God himself being with us and being like a river that flows in and through our lives. We had the wonderful privilege last week of Peter and Alicia were leading worship and they dialed in through WhatsApp. Rob was in the guest room isolating and I was in the lounge and we were able to hear what was happening last week Sunday, Pentecost Sunday at the Patreon. I know for those of you who were there, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the time of worship and sharing testimonies and being together was so thick and tangible and we could feel it right here in our rooms. We could feel the Holy Spirit was so, so beautiful and So I wanted to just end by sharing some thoughts on Pentecost, on the Holy Spirit, and on the awakening or global revival that is brewing at the moment. Friends, we are so excited because there is this anticipation globally. You know, you hear whispers of it in many different quarters of we are on the cusp of the greatest revival in history. It's almost like in The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe when Aslan returns to the country that has been dominated by the the evil queen and it's been winter for like a hundred years and people start saying Aslan is on the move, Aslan is on the move and there are these signs of spring. It feels like as a community, revival is not far off, revival is what we're living in and the Holy Spirit is fanning into flame the embers of his presence in us and in our community. We're seeing an increase in miracles and just in in signs. It's so beautiful. We had Shiona share her testimony of healing last week. Um, And we just bless what the Lord is doing. We say, thank you, Jesus. Do even more in and through us. But what revival is essentially is actually coming back to what normal Christian life really is. And that is so beautifully explained in the book of Acts 1 and 2. Um, Coming back to essentially what normal Christian life looks like. And so we look at the birthing of the church and we remind ourselves that in this rebirth, this renaissance, this great awakening, this revival, the Lord is really um, bringing us back to what New New Testament Christianity really looks like. So in Acts 1, I'm not going to read through the story just for time's sake, um, but I encourage you to go and read Acts 1 and Acts 2 and let the Holy Spirit stir in your hearts um, what he is doing and how he moves and, and, and who he is. But in Acts 1, it starts with uh, Jesus has been resurrected and in his resurrection body, he appears to his friends for a period of 40 days. And he um, teaches them about the kingdom through encounters and signs and miracles. He shares meals with them and he teaches them the truth about God's kingdom. Can you imagine having spent that time with Jesus? How um, amazing that must have been. And in verse six, I, I love verse six of chapter one because 
they said to him, every time they were gathered, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it the time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I love this. It encourages me so much because even after spending 40 days with the resurrected Jesus, they still do not fully understand what the kingdom of God looks like. They are still waiting for the Messiah to restore their kingdom in a physical, military, governance sort of a way. And I love that because half the time, friends, I think we're expecting the kingdom of God to come in one way that actually looks a lot like the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God comes through the Holy Spirit, through love and serving one another. And it's so beautiful because the Holy Spirit teaches us and continually to te teaches us what God's kingdom looks like because it is not shrinking. The kingdom of God is expanding and growing and going from glory to glory to glory. And so in Acts 1, we see that Jesus has promised that the Father will send his friends another helper, one just like him. It's the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, a comforter, an advocate, an, advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener. And so he says, I'm going to be taken up but the Father's going to send you this blessed Holy Spirit. And so the friends are waiting. They are waiting together. And I want to highlight this because waiting, friends, is what we are doing in a sense now. And waiting is active. It is not passive. Waiting, the scriptures teach us, is being entwined with Jesus. It is the period of stirring up hope and longing and active expectation for more of God, for all that he is. It is not getting distracted by things that haven't worked out, haven't played out, getting cynical, kind of waiting like, God, where are you? I actually am going to move on to better things now because you are taking your sweet time. No, waiting is holding on to the promises and the word of God and establishing our roots in that and walking in that process with the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful and it's active. And as a community, in a sense, we are as individuals and a community are, are waiting. We're like, Holy Spirit, we know there's more you want to do. And so we are actively expecting, we are making room for you. Come and be all that you want to be. Come and do all that you want to do. And we are committing ourselves as individuals and walking together as a local community to friendship and walking with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit molds us to look more and more like Jesus. Jesus redeemed us. We are a brand new creation by his death, burial, and resurrection. But the Holy Spirit makes real salvation to us day by day as he molds us into the shape of Jesus. And so friends, either we're choosing to be molded by and formed by the Holy Spirit, or we're getting deformed by the ways of this world, one or the other. And we've chosen as a community, Holy Spirit, mold us, change our thinking, change our hearts so that we can be more like Jesus. And we're actively waiting. And another thing that we see here in Acts 1 is waiting is so much better when it's in community, okay? Um, they did not individually 
wait for God, for the promises of God to be fulfilled. They came together. They positioned their time. They positioned their families, their life around what God had spoken. And they did it in community because there's strength in community. You're not alone. You're not created to be an island. You're created to be knitted into the body. You're created to be part of a family. And together we say, don't let go of the promises. Don't let go of what God is doing in this time. Wait. Stir up the act of expectation. Let's wait together. Now, Jesus promised to his friends this divine exchange. That he would go to heaven and he would send the Holy Spirit. And he says in John 16, it is to your advantage. It's for your good that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to come to you. Now, what could possibly be better than God himself with us? Walking, talking, doing miracles, sharing meals, teaching about the kingdom. What could be better than God with us? God in us. Friends, the miracle of Jesus' death and, and burial and resurrection that he that he. He bridged the gap, this huge gap of separation between God and man. And he knitted us into himself that we could be seated with him in heavenly places and he could take residence in us. It is glorious and we need to stir up a wonder for the work of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be hyped up. We see clearly in the book of Acts that as the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, he imparts both the gifts and the power of God for healing and miracles and the fruit of the Spirit in the community so that the very life and work of Jesus is continued in the life and work of the church. It's like he left, but he gave us his Spirit so that we continue his work, his heart, his life continued through his body, the church, which is, of course, continued through me and you. We want the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, we want everything that he is. But we also want to give ourselves to walking in friendship with the Holy Spirit to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit as impact, as impact in Galatians develop in our life. Why? Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit reveals the nature of God. We don't just want the miracle and behind the scenes, actually, there's no joy. There's no peace because the fruit of the Holy Spirit reveals the heart of Jesus. It means we're being formed to look like Jesus. We look like the Prince of Peace when we carry peace. We look like the joy of heaven when we're filled with the joy of the Spirit. We look like love because God is love, kindness, self-control, etc., and so we want to give ourselves to, to learning to operate in the power and the gifts of the Spirit and also walking in friendship so that we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We want to be like the early believers, following him in everything, carrying his presence in every area, devoted to meeting together, participating in the life of Christ together, and then really caring about our sphere of influence and bringing Jesus to that part of our world. Friends, the church has got so used to operating in the very best efforts of self, creating our best organizations, being really um, focused on the production of church. And, and yet church is, isn't that. It's not the building. It's not the production. It's in the people uh, carrying the presence of God and participating in the life of Christ, bringing his heart 
to the planet, bringing the kingdom of God to the world around us. And A.W. Tozer says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. I'm really encouraged to say that is not true in our community. But you will never find me ever criticizing a mega church or a different denomination ever because I really believe that 90% of the hearts are right just wanting to serve Jesus and, and bring his kingdom. But we've learned so well to be dependent on our best effort. We need a revival of the work of the Holy Spirit where space is given to him because he brings true transformation and true change. And so let's just read what happened in Acts 2 at Pentecost. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues and empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages that they had never learned the power of the Holy Spirit enters this room and this is the birthing of the church. They are filled with the Holy Spirit themselves. This pillar of fire that led them as a community through the wilderness into the promised land is the pillar of fire that comes into the room and spreads into each heart, setting each heart and life alive with the empowering presence of God. And that fire is spread heart to heart life to life through the book of Acts as the gospel is preached around tables in homes and in the streets and in the marketplace and spreading this wildfire. And friends, it is so exciting because even in our, um, in the season that we're in where we have big church meetings as a whole church together and then we have home church meetings, we are, the heart behind this is coming back to the story of Acts 2 and saying, Jesus teach us again that the church is not a building, that the church is a people. How do we actively participate in the life of Christ? How do we take this fire of the Holy Spirit as we are baptized in your, your power and your love, God? How do we take that to our families, to our dinner tables, to our home church gatherings and to our schools and our businesses and where we are? Let us see that wildfire spread. And so even in the process, it's not perfect. It's not the perfect picture, but we're walking with the Holy Spirit as he leads us because our heart is, Lord, revive what the New Testament Christianity looks like. Revive the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we will see the wildfire of the Spirit the river of the Spirit flow in our lives and through our lives, the wind of the Spirit come and disrupt and move through our lives as we position ourselves uh, in that journey with the Holy Spirit together. It's exciting days, friends. Watch and see. People are going to get saved. We're going to see this wildfire spread from you to the friend next to you, from me to the friend next to you, to our children, to our school communities. It's you and me carrying that fire uh, of the Holy Spirit. And it's exciting times. It's so exciting. The Holy Spirit always reignites our mission. And our mission is to take the kingdom of God and make disciples of all people. To take the good news 
of salvation and share that, to take the love of the Father into the world around us. And we see that in Peter. So if you just go on a little bit in the, the story of Acts, Peter, who literally three or four weeks previously, maybe six weeks, had denied Jesus three times when questioned, do you know Jesus? Just before he was crucified, do you know Jesus? No, no. Three times he denied him. And suddenly, as the Holy Spirit comes on him, he is empowered. There's a boldness and a confidence that rises. And suddenly he begins to preach to thousands of people out of this Pentecost time. The Holy Spirit stirs up a boldness for us to preach and to share um, and to take the goodness of God, to take the Holy Spirit to the world around us. Friends, there's such a beautiful expectation in our heart that the revival that is that is brewing across the globe is slightly different maybe than before in this way, that it is meant to be outside the walls of the church building, that it's not about getting people necessarily into meetings, although who knows, it might have that aspect in it, but it's actually about the people of God carrying the Holy Spirit into the darkest places of the world, into our spheres of influence. We are not just created to have the most amazing encounters with God in a church meeting and for that to be all. Friends, that is a glorious gift that we all enjoy together. But we are meant to be rebuilders of devastated places, of broken lives. Um, Isaiah 61, and, and I think we'll, we'll talk about this more in weeks ahead, that the Lord has, Isaiah 61, anointed us with the Holy Spirit, filled us with the Holy Spirit to set free the captives, to bring healing, to tell the good news of salvation, to declare the time of the Lord's favor, and to rebuild the ancient places of devastation and brokenness. And so this river that is in us, that I'm referring again now to Psalms 46, the river of God that flows in and through his people, is meant to reach the furthest places of our planet, just like what happened in Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was released on the church. And so that is what we're stirring up. We're coming back to something of what the early church was experiencing. I think in the book of Acts, it was like 22 miracles, something like that. And 21 of them were performed in the marketplace. It's out there. It's in our families, in our spheres of influence that we can expect to see miracles and signs and wonders and salvation as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to re-baptize us again, to fill us again and keep filling us and to fan and to flame his gifts and his presence inside our lives. And so um, I just want to end with this. Uh, Chris Vallotton prophesied and said, there is a movement in which God's presence grows more powerful as the people of God take his presence into the world, the marketplace, home, school, and so forth with them. The further the saints get from the sanctuary, the deeper the grace of God penetrates the darkness. I believe we're on the brink of that and we bless what God is doing. So let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you for our, your presence in our lives. We thank you that Jesus, you won the war on sickness and death and separation and you have grafted us into yourselves. And so we can abide in you and we can be refreshed and strengthened and we can stand in your victory even as the enemy wants to intimidate and push us back and holy spirit we thank you for your presence that you are with us that we are not alone and that you want to pour out the the, the presence and the power of god on this planet and we 
get to be working with you. We get to be your body, carrying on in the life and the work of Jesus. And so we bless what you are doing in us as a community. We bless your work. We bless you, Holy Spirit, and we ask for more. May we see an increasing level of revival, an outpouring of your spirit, the flow of your river, the wildfire spreading in Jesus' name in the months and the weeks ahead. We love you, Holy Spirit. Friends, I hope that that has been an encouragement for you and just a focusing, you know, you take um, binoculars and you focus, you're like, oh, I see clearly now, this is what the Lord is doing. Despite all the opposition, despite sickness, despite everything, this is what God is doing and it is good and we get to trust him and we get to enjoy this journey and process together. So much love to you all. Next week is at the Pear Tree. Yay! Together for worship, um, for testimony, and to share in the word and just fellowship together. Bless you guys. We pray for healing and strengthening across the community and just for the miraculous hand of God in provision and care and goodness. In Jesus' name, love you guys. Bye.